The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Merry Christmas, Story City Church. It's good to be with you this Christmas Eve. We have a Savior who is born unto us, and we have a lot to celebrate this evening. Let's pray together. Father, as we come to your word for a few moments here, as we center our hearts and our minds together through your spirit on the Savior, on your gift, would you give us great peace tonight in his presence and awareness of his reality and awareness of your reality. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, it was a moment I won't forget any time soon. I sat in the back of a thousand high school student auditorium in the Sierra Nevadas of California on an early morning with sleep in my eyes uh, after a long restless night in a cold camp cabin. The speaker got up on stage, the pastor, and he started with a question. He said, I want everybody to tell me something they're thankful for. Raise your hand, shout out things you're thankful for. There was a pause before anyone sanguine enough to venture an answer would speak up, and eventually when someone did, the answers started flying quickly as students were excited to give their opinions and their answers. You know, it was a moment I'll never forget. I sat in the back of a thousand student auditorium in the Sierra Nevadas of California at youth camp at 17, and the pastor came up and I'd sleep in my eyes and I was tired from a long restless night in the cabin that was cold. And he started a sermon with a question, a simple question that he posed to these thousand high school students, myself included. He said, tell me something you're thankful for. And there was a pause. No one wanted to venture and answer too quickly, but the sanguine students eventually spoke up and and offered. and, And the answers that started flying around were this, things like the first student spoke up and said, I'm thankful for my mom and dad. I'm thankful for my family. I remember a a sophomore girl from my youth group uh, raised her hand and said, I'm thankful for my cat, Molly. She was obviously very confused about life. Um, I remember uh, another student raised his hand and said, I'm thankful that I just got my license and I can drive my car. Another student raised his hand and said, I'm thankful for Mexican food. Uh, All these answers started flying around and then the pastor after a, a couple dozen paused and he said, you know what guys, great answers great answers. But I'm I'm noticing a theme running through, a thread running through all of your answers this morning. Every answer that you guys just gave was a circumstantial blessing. It was something that circumstance could shift and take away from you. The things you've all mentioned are good things to be thankful for. But the reality is that in time, you not just can lose these things, but you will lose these things. Uh, the room got pretty quiet at that point because he had snuck attack us all and our high school brains were rushing to pick up with what he was getting at. He said, here's what I want you to do now. I want you to raise your hands and tell me some eternal realities, some non-circumstantial realities that you're thankful for this morning. There was another long, awkward pause before a student raised her hand and said, I'm thankful that God loves me. Another student raised his hand. I'm thankful that God forgives me. I'm thankful for Jesus. After a while, I'm thankful for heaven. I'm I'm thankful for my Bible. You know, 
the reason I think that normal chapel at the age of 17 stuck with me so much is because for the first time, one of the first times, my developing brain was starting to process this concept that if my peace, the things that gave me peace in life was rooted and hung contingent upon anything but God, my peace was vulnerable. It hung on things that I not only could lose in time, but I would lose in time. And so my mind started processing and it stuck with me this idea of how do I root the most important things about who I am? How do I root my peace, the things that give me peace? Not in things that change, but in a God who never does. In the final assessment, we all have to consider this reality that if we have God and nothing else, in the end, we have everything. And if we have everything this world could offer, but in the final day don't have God, we have nothing at all. To have God and have nothing else is to have everything. To have everything and not have God is to have nothing. So what makes for peace? What does your peace hang contingent upon this Christmas Eve? The year 2020, as it comes to a close, is a year that's been gratuitously assigned all kinds of adjectives. But I do not think peaceful is one it's been given too often. I think peaceful and serene are words we would not assign to 2020. This has been a year of challenge. It's been a year of uncertainty for a lot of us. It's been a year where a lot of us have felt a sense of dislocation and disorientation. Not a year where we have felt peace. Under the weight of uh, political pandemonium, under the weight of a pandemic, under the weight of jobs lost and lives reordered, we've all been feeling the tectonic plates shifting under our feet this year. We found our circumstantial peace weakening. We found it fading. We found it giving way often to anxiety. We're desperate for peace. Our city is desperate for peace. Our hearts are hungry for peace. Peace with ourselves. Peace with one another. Most of all, the truest and deepest longing underneath all of our hearts, the desire to know that we're at peace with our creator, God. With the nature of peace as it is, it's not surprising. It shouldn't be surprising to us that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the fulfillment of the promise of peace, the revelation of perfect peace, did not come with great fanfare into the world he created to save it. He didn't come with the rumbling of chariots or as a conquering army general or king. He came as a baby in a manger, silently, softly, slowly, unnoticed, in obscurity, tended to by unlikely people in the dark of night. And the way by which Jesus literally purchased our peace at the cross in the same way was an overlooked experience. He didn't win us our peace back on a battlefield where his, his enemies were fallen and he stood victorious. He brought us our peace in disgrace on a cross where he took our sin upon his back so that we could be set at peace with one another and more importantly, at peace with God. You see, the world longing for peace misses peace when it comes in the person 
of Jesus. We missed him completely. As he lay cooing in a manger, as he hung dying on a cross, overlooked the Prince of Peace. Years after the manger, shortly before his cross, Jesus said these words in Luke 19.42, as he stood as a full-grown man overlooking the great and lost city of Jerusalem. He said to himself, O Jerusalem, would that you, even you, had known this day the things that make for peace. What Jesus is saying here to Jerusalem and, and to us is, you've missed me. You've missed the opportunity of peace. You've missed the person of peace as you've missed me. Years after the manger, Jesus overlooked the city of Jerusalem with longing in his heart in Luke 19.42. And he said this, O Jerusalem, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. What Jesus was saying to Jerusalem, what he's saying to us this evening on Christmas Eve is, you've missed me, the one who can bring you peace, and you miss me still. And in not taking notice of me and overlooking me, you give yourself in time to all these circumstantial joys that you can lose rather than to the secure joy that I can offer you as the Prince of Peace. You've entrusted your heart to things fallen beneath the curse of sin and missed the opportunity to bring yourself to me who stands above that with the cure. See, Jesus stands over the anxious hearts that fill this church, that fill Los Angeles, that fill the United States of America and the world today, and he's still saying the same thing with love to us, to me, to you, with longing to gather us to himself. He longs to free us from our, our fragile, circumstantial saviors and give us something better. Give us a peace that can sustain through all seasons, himself, the Prince of Peace, our peace with God, and our peace with one another. This Christmas Eve, wherever you are, Jesus is your peace. More than something that he can give you, it is something that he is. If you wish to obtain peace, you need to bring yourself to the feet of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 say this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is our peace. He destroyed division, division between God and man, division between man and man, division between us and truly knowing and being at rest with ourselves. How did he do this? He did this by coming as an infant, living as a man, laying down his life sacrificially on the cross. In doing so, taking on his back, my sin and your sin and the punishment that it deserved bearing that on the cross so that we would no longer be divided from God, but unified to God, at peace with God, restoring shalom between God 
and man for all who would trust in him by faith and cast themselves upon him for grace. In John 14, Jesus speaks to his trembling disciples who have just gotten news that he's leaving and they're trying to wrap their heads around what that means. This man they've given themselves to follow, they've abandoned everything for, says, I'm leaving. And these are his words to him in that moment as they wrestle with their fear. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Listen to this, church. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. What is the peace of God? The peace of God through Jesus is a calm and confident assurance that God is in control and that what he is doing in my life is best. I wanna say that again to you tonight. The peace of God in Jesus Christ is a calm and confident assurance that God is in control and that what he is doing in my life and yours is always best. Hear me, church, any promise of peace that is not rooted in Jesus Christ is an imposture peace. It is a fraud. It will not deliver. All peace not found in the Prince of Peace falls to pieces beneath the weight of pandemics and political pandemonium. But those who know the Prince of Peace persevere in his peace. So this Christmas Eve, as the people of God saved, united to God again in Shalom, living through turbulent days, wrestling with temptations to fear and anxiety. Let's rest our hearts in the promise of Christmas, the Prince of Peace given to us, given to us as a baby in a manger, overlooked, quiet, in the dark, the promised, long-awaited Savior. Let's remember this Christmas Eve where we are, where you are, with your family, with your friends, that because Jesus came, because Jesus lived, because Jesus died, because Jesus rose, peace can be possessed in every season of life, not hanging contingent upon our circumstances. A calm, confident assurance that God is in control and that what he is doing is best. See, financial peace is fragile. Political peace is faulty. Romantic peace is finicky. And any and all circumstantial peace ultimately flunks the test. But the Prince of Peace is faithful. The Prince of Peace and the peace of that Prince is final. The peace of the Prince is a light in darkness never failing, never fading, never ending. We walk in that light this Christmas Eve. Jesus is our peace. He came to us at Christmas. Let us come to him this Christmas with all of our hearts, embracing his peace.